We only got one life, so it's time to live it for. I don't hesitate, I embrace every day. Cause we only got one life, so it's time to live it for. It's not about trying to achieve more or gain, but rather how to lose and let go. Let me explain. Once you let go of all things that aren't significant, you'll be left with everything that is truly important. I'm living everyday life with a purpose. Living everyday life with a purpose. This is another episode of the podcast. Live it for. You're listening to the Live It Full Podcast. I'm Richard, your host in the studio today. Hey, before I get started, we're going to talk a little bit about King David. But before that, I want you to go leave us a, a review. If you like what you're listening to, if this is your first or 50th time to listen to the podcast and you haven't, go leave us a review on Apple, Spotify. Share us with your friends and family. Help us spread the word of Live It Full, where we focus on faith, family, finance, and fitness. But hey, today we're going to talk a little bit about King David. It's one of my favorite biblical narratives. It's a story of faith. You might call him an underdog, but don't ever count him out. You know, King David, um, man after God's own heart, right? But he uh, he failed a lot. He screwed a lot of things up. And I can relate with that because I feel like uh, I try to have a, a godly heart, but yet I screw up a lot. And so it does give me some, uh, some, some hope that, like David, God will say, well done, my good and faithful servant, once I get up to those pearly gates. A little bit about David. Um, for those of you that if you know the story, if you don't, I want to hit some very important, pertinent parts of it. I could sit here and talk about King David all day. Um, I'm going to try to condense my thoughts on it in a 20-minute podcast. But so David, he uh, he actually was a great grandson of Ruth, and I think that that's an important thing because the story of Ruth and Boaz is is a sign of redemption. It's a sign of hope. It's a uh, it's a story of that's sometimes overlooked because it kind of falls between two pretty big books in the Old Testament. But Ruth, she could have left, started her own life, but she stayed faithful to her mother in law. She went with her. She worked hard. You can, you know, she was uh, what cleaning wheat. She was, uh, from what I've understand, what I've read, she was almost forty, so she wasn't exactly in the prime age of, uh, you know, an eligible bachelorette. But she stayed faithful, not only to God but to her her mother in law. She stayed faithful throughout it all, and because of her faith, she married Boaz. And her line can be traced all the way to Jesus through David. So David um, was a was a great grandson of of Ruth and Boaz. So I think that's an important thing to think about when we're talking about we don't understand the impact that future generations can have because of the things that we're doing now. Had she not maintained the faith, had she not had hope, had she not stayed with. Naomi, we might not. We may have had a different narrative for for the king of of Judah and ultimately Israel that wasn't David, but God used her in a way that her line not only not only brought forth the greatest king of Israel, but also directly to Jesus's line. So everything that happens can have a huge ripple effect. I think that's one of the first things we have to look at. That one moment of hope, one moment of faith, one moment of kindness can change the world. 
Because without Ruth, would we have Jesus? And she stayed humble when she was working and while God was blessing her, which is, I think, another important part of that whole story. I mean, I could sit here and do a whole podcast on Ruth, and maybe Caitlin and I will. I think it's a great one to do that on. Um, but we're going to go on and keep talking about David. So he comes from from Ruth and Boaz, son of Obed, son of Jesse, you know, David. But he wasn't the firstborn. He wasn't the secondborn. He was not the thirdborn. He was, uh, and there's some accounts that may show it different. He was either the seventh or the eighth son of Jesse. Either way, he was the baby boy. He wasn't big. He wasn't um, what you would consider a warrior. And so when God went to Samuel, who's this prophet, and says, hey, one of Jesse's sons is going to be anointed king. I need you to go do that for me. Samuel goes to Jesse's house and says, hey, bring out your sons. God's going to anoint one of them. Right? He brings in the first six. Because Jesse doesn't even think, how could David be considered? They left him in the field to tend the sheep. I want you to think about that. Have you ever been left out? Maybe last picked in a dodgeball game when you were younger? He got left in the field because why would God anoint him? He's the small one. He's the shepherd. He's stinky probably because he's outside with sheep all day. He's the baby. How many of us can relate solely? If you didn't read anything else about King David, how many of us can relate with the fact that he was overlooked by humans, by other people, not just other people, by his father, by his brothers? I can't imagine one of the brothers stepped up and said, hey, we're all going in to talk to Samuel because one of us is going to be annoyed and king. What about David? We left him out in the field. I bet one of them didn't say that because they all overlooked him. So I've talked about this before and my thoughts on it have changed a little because I used to say the ultimate underdog story, David. But is it an underdog story? The world may have doubted him, but he had it where I don't know that he was an underdog is he always had faith. Faith was the differentiator with him. Over everyone else in the in the Israel Israeli Israelite army, faith was the difference. So was he an underdog? I don't know. I'll leave that up to you to decide. But I know you can relate with being overlooked, being marginalized, being left in the field while others seek their anointing. And so I'm thinking about this dynamic with with a, a, I say a seventh son. They may have overlooked him, but I can tell you right now, David would have been tough. Anybody grow up with older siblings, whether they're sisters or brothers, you get beat around a little. You get, uh, you get the brunt of things. And in a society where, up until probably a few hundred years ago, the firstborn, firstborn son, the heir apparent was favored over the others who might get a double portion of inheritance, of food, of everything. 
being the seventh born didn't exactly line you up to be a anointed king, right? But that's how God does things. He doesn't always, he seldom actually works the way that we think he should. He uses people. He pulls from the pit, not the pulpit, right? I've heard that. When you go back and look at almost every single person that God used, that there is a narrative biblically on, most of them were not righteous to begin with. They were redeemed. Their stories of redemption, their stories of hope. He uses imperfect people. And David's no different. David's no different for sure. But he was so overlooked. They didn't even bring him in out of the fields. I don't know how much more I can like reiterate that. So they think that, uh, that he was somewhere between 12 and like 10 to 12, 13 years old when he was picked or when God came in and, and told Samuel, you're going to anoint him. And so Samuel shows up. He's like, no, nope, it's the other one. They're all like, huh? David? Nah, he's out in the field with the sheep. Can't be him. So think about, you know, baby brother. You got the prophet show up. The brothers all think, yeah, it should be me. It should be me raising my hand. I'm the firstborn. I'm the secondborn. Nope, nope, it's me. Oh, you've got character flaws. You know, I'm sure they're sitting there talking to each other, ribbing each other as brothers would do. And then Samuel comes in and picks David. To me, that right there is an amazing story that all of us can relate to. We've all been marginalized. We've all felt like we weren't good enough for God's anointing, right? So Samuel comes in and does that, and and David's anointed. And it is, from what I understand, a few years pass. The uh, Israelites are in a war with the Philistines, and they've basically conceded they can't beat the Philistines' greatest warrior. They have basically conceded that the Philistines' god, lowercase g, is greater than theirs. Because they, none of them are brave enough. None of them have the chutzpah to go fight Goliath. None of them have the balls to go do it. They cower in their armor. Which David, I think, when you, there's so many things. I love to try to read in between the lines. And maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should, I don't know. But I try to always understand the human dynamic of the stories we read biblically. Because I don't think we always get it. And I think that when you can relate that they were people with emotions and feelings and faults, most of the Israelites were scared to death to fight Goliath. When we have fear, does that show a lack of faith? We went through a global pandemic. Pretty sure you all have heard of it. You all know about it. Did fear drive people's lives? I think there's one thing to be prudent. There's one thing to be fearful. David believed that God would deliver him. So David went up, said, Saul, dude, I'll fight this dude. Yeah, he's big. I'm going to cut his head off. Bring it it as a trophy for you. And, uh, you know, he had to have been dismissed. He had to been like, nah, not the little shepherd boy. Samuel anointed him. He thinks he can go fight a a giant. You know there was whispers. There were people going, snickering, sneering, going, yeah, I think Samuel got that one wrong. 
this little boy out there, he's going to fight him. I mean, because you have to assume that, that Saul had some great warriors. You know, and, I, and it's probably not right to think so, but I'm just thinking, like, seriously, like the, the scene from Troy, if you've ever watched that movie, where Achilles is, is fighting the, the great warrior. And, and I would have to assume that the Israelites had somebody like, like we hear about in the Greek mythology, because I think that's what goes into our mind, like Achilles or Hector, Odysseus, these, these great warriors. You would, you would think the Israelites had somebody, but they were all scared to death. Basically said, yeah, I'm not fighting him. You can do it. So David shows up. They try to put some armor on him. He says, it's too heavy. It's too big. I can't wear this. And he had faith. And he went out and said, this battle's not mine. It is the Lord alone. How often do we forget that the battle is the Lord's? All of the things, all of the struggles we go through, take them to God. That battle is not yours alone. Your ego, your pride, you may think that it should be or that it is, but that battle is not yours. We've all heard this, the story. We, we've read the, the childhood nursery rhymes that David slayed Goliath. One thing I want to talk about, though, is, is, and I think it's overlooked sometimes when you just read it or you hear it or, or you're telling the story about David. David didn't pick up one rock. David picked up five. River stone, smooth. He picked the ones he knew would be right. He had faith, but he also knew that one stone might not get it done. How often do we have the faith, but we're not prepared? You know, I've always heard that if God, if you ask God to move mountains, you better be wait, you better be prepared to wake up next to a shovel. I truly believe that you should pray as if everything depends on God and act as if everything depends on you. It would have been foolish for David to only take one stone, right? I, I was reading some of that and that it show a lack of faith. I don't think so. I think that David had more faith than anybody out there. He also knew the reality of uh, one stone may not get it done. But David went out. He slew, slayed the giant. But to keep in, in, there's so much we could go through in the next part of, of Kings and, and discuss what happened to him. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to summarize it with, he was anointed, say at 10 or 12, like we said. He didn't become king until he was after 30, maybe 35. He went 15 to 20 years from the time that he was told you're going to be king of Israel to the time that it actually happened. And there's a lot of bad things that happened to him along the way. Um, between getting promotions, getting, getting fired, getting uh, hunted down. having your, your best friend's dad try to kill you and have your best friend try to kill you. I mean, there's just a lot of bad things happen to David along the way. But guess what? He was still anointed king. God's put an anointing in your life. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it looks like to you. But God has made promises to you. It may not be what you think, and it may not be what you've seen. It may not be as clear as Samuel coming to your house and saying, hey, you're going to be king of Israel someday. 
but there is something there. Don't lose the faith if it takes 15 or 20 years for that anointing to become real. And that's like the second thing that I would tell you you have to take from that is when you feel overlooked, when you feel marginalized, when you feel like you were the last kid picked in that dodgeball game, look at David. He wasn't even considered by his family, but God anointed him. But that blessing didn't come immediately. He wasn't 12 and stood up and said, you are now king of Israel. He fought some battles, literally became a great warrior. He may have been anointed at a young age, but he wasn't ready to be king. God had to put him through the fire to forge him, to make him ready to be king. Heavy as the head, the wears the crown, right? He fought assassination attempts. He fought his own son trying to kill him. His neighbors, king of Israel across the, across the way because it's a divided kingdom. He fought things as a king that he would not have been ready for at 12, 13, 14, 15. While God anointed him at an early age, he put him through hell to get him ready. So right now, if you're going through those points in your life where it feels like hell, where it feels like everyone is against you and everything is against you, know that you can come out of that. That God may have anointed you years ago and you are going through things to help you grow and help you become the person who can accept that anointing. David made a lot of mistakes as king. You can, go, you can go read Bathsheba. You know, he's going to murder Uriah. I mean, so many things where he misstepped. But he always kept his faith. He always went to God. And even though he was so imperfect and he made mistakes as king and as a man, God still said, this is a man after my own heart. Maybe he, maybe he cared about the same things that God cares about. Maybe he... Although he made mistakes, he had the faith. I don't know. I wish that I could have known him. But I can tell you this. Go read the book of, of King, 1 Kings, 2 Kings. Learn about David. I think there are so many things we can take from his story, from his life, that we can apply to ours. While you may be marginalized now and you don't think there's an anointing over your life, your time is coming. Keep the faith just like Ruth did that led to David. Just like David did. And his line brought forth the Messiah because he was willing to keep the faith. I hope that you got something out of this. If you did, share us with your friends. Leave us a review. Hit me up. Tell me. I liked that podcast. I want to hear more about David. I want to hear less. Tell me what you think about it. Um, I always want feedback. Caitlin and I are, are, are really big on understanding what we do well and what we don't. I think that's an important thing in life to understand the critics and the people that love you because I get a lot of good feedback. Sometimes I want to hear the bad. So if you didn't like it, shoot me an email, info at livetfull.com. 
Go to liveitfull.com, buy some merchandise. Again, it's how we keep this thing running. We love you. We hope they continue to live it full. Have a great week. Go check out King David's story if you haven't. You just listened to this entire episode. That means you gained some type of value. So make sure you leave a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode of Living Full. Living everyday life with a purpose. Living everyday life with a purpose. Make sure you embrace every single day. And we'll see you next time on the Living Full Podcast.